0: Today's episode of the Sidious Mag Podcast on the Sidious Mag Podcast Network is brought to you by the Sidious Mag Newsletter. Sign up at sidiousmag.substack.com to get your weekly fix of all the latest news, commentary, and more from all around the running world provided by yours truly. Every week, we're doing a giveaway, like some of our crew neck sweaters, our hoodies. I've implemented a crossword puzzle that's been a hit with some of the readers. The newsletter also lets you keep up with all of the podcasts and shows that we're releasing all across the Smag podcast family. It's once a week and keeps you in the know. It takes two seconds to sign up. It's Cityusmag.substack.com. You can also find the link in the show notes. So sign up today. Get ready for another crossover episode of the Sidious Mag podcast with the Run Your Mouth podcast. David Melly and I reunite to welcome Marty Hare after his... 208:59 win at the Marathon Project in Chandler, Arizona. That race was spectacularly fast with seven Americans breaking 210. And one of the major storylines coming away from the race on Sunday was that Marty finally got his big win. It's been a long time coming. I first crossed paths with him in 2012 when he also took a bunch of people by surprise by winning the Big East Cross Country Championship. Maybe not as big of a deal, but not too many people knew who he was. And so right after the race, I asked him, who are you? He gave me a really nice answer. But then in January 2019, he had a photo from that interview that he shared on Instagram and wrote, I've been running as hard as I can ever since then to make sure no one has had to ask me that question again. So we'll, we'll revisit that very early on, but a little bit more background on Marty. He's a medical student in anesthesiology. At Sydney Kimmel Medical College. We touch on that and what it consists of before he graduates in May 2021. Then we'll finally have Dr. Marty on the starting lines. He's also a professional runner with the Reebok Boston Track Club and works with coach Chris Fox, who was also his coach at Syracuse because Marty was a member of the 2015 NCAA cross-country championship winning team. So right after graduating, Marty ran on the track, but then took to the roads shortly thereafter and found lots of success. We dive into his relationship with Coach Fox, and he shares how since 2017, he has targeted the marathon as his event, and it ultimately did end up paying off because he took sixth at the 2020 U.S. Olympic marathon trials back in February in 2:11:29. 29 but the caveat there is that he had to stop to take a break and use the bathroom for about 15 to 20 seconds is what he estimates. We'll let him share that story as well. On top of all of that, he's also the father to two girls. So time management is his specialty, and he'll share his schedule and routine with us. So this is the the behind-the-scenes story of how he became the seventh fastest American marathoner of all time. Enjoy. All right, and now we welcome on Marty Hare to the City of Smag podcast and the Run Your Mouth podcast crossover. I think David and I already did one this year, and we're uh, so this is a, a bonus episode because this year's been so tough. We figured people could use uh, two episodes of this, but we're joined by the Marathon Project champion, Marty. I want to start off with asking you just kind of like, who are you? Uh, because not too many okay. people probably know who you are, um, but deep down inside, this is a callback to the first ever interview that we ever did together back in 2012. Right now people are probably wondering, who are you, so just tell us a little bit about yourself. Um, I'm from Washingtonville,
1: Orange County. Yeah. <laughs> Which is uh, Orange County right in New York I'm only an hour away from here. So a lot of my family is here So it's like home field advantage.
0: So you were a redshirt retrof- freshman I was
1: a shirt freshman last year yeah. in cross country so, You know I was okay. It took me a lot of adjusting. I wasn't really doing well when I first got here Just you know, I just needed to get used to the workload get used to the training uh, And then cu- come out through I ran some some pretty good times placed well in the Big East indoor and outdoor and then
0: yeah, this year was the year where you know Had it all come together. We had a team that I knew we we knew we could do big things, and if I was up there, I needed to be there to help them out. And uh... <laughs> <laughs> at this point, you are not getting that question asked too much, right?
1: Not really. Fortunately, you know it's been a long work in progress, but I think I've finally gotten past that point in my career. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I'll I'll take a little bit of credit for just being like a little bit of the the, the flame that has burned for your motivation throughout your entire career. Because in that Instagram post, you wrote that, you know, I've been running as hard as I can ever since then to make sure no one has has to ask me that question ever again.
1: Yeah, it's, but yeah, no, so I, I agree. There's a little bit of chip on the shoulder there.
2: <laughs> Although I will say it's definitely a balancing act because there's there's always people, you know, a little too much about them. I think you want to be a little, you want to be a little mysterious, but also well-known there's the, you got to have that perfect balance. And I think you struck. Agreed. Agreed.
0: So let's, let's get right into it. The marathon projects. Can you, I guess, do the regular question that everyone asks, take us through that race um, and sort of ultimately the move that you made later on in the race, uh, what went into the whole entire thing? So just walk us through the race.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, this this race like played out exactly how it was scripted. I mean from, you know, Josh and Ben and Matt, the guys who who organized this thing, it was set up to be a time trial with perfect weather, perfect course, perfect pacing, and that's exactly what it shaped up to be for, you know, 22 miles. Um and which was great. I mean, I you know, I made I was more than happy to sit on the back of that that lead pace pack and just kind of go brain dead for as long as possible, not waste any energy, um, and let everyone else do the work. Um, and that's, you know, I think a lot of people were asking me, like, oh, like, how'd you feel? Did it feel good? I mean, I would say it's hard to feel great when you're running that fast for that long. Um, definitely for the first half of the race, I was, you know, it was all right. Like, this is, we got a lot of race to go, a lot of race to go. Um, but once we hit halfway, there was definitely, I mean, we saw, you know, sixty-four twenty-eight, like nailed the pacing. There is like a palpable energy, um, that everyone was like, all right, like we're, we're going to do this today. This is happening. Um, I think Fauble yelled some excited profanity, um, if I recall. And yeah. And I think from that point, everyone started feeling a little better. Um, myself included. And, um, I spent the next few miles just kind of winding my way, getting a little closer and closer to, to the front. Um, and then I think, you know, 20 to 22, I was right kind of with uh, Frank, the uh, our last man standing pacer. Shout out to Mason and Frank for absolutely crushing the uh, pace job. Um, and, yeah, I was right with Frank, 21. And then at 22, he, he stepped off, and I kind of found myself right there. Um, At the front, kind of um, exactly where I didn't want to be with a good 4.2 miles left in the race. Like, that is this that's a lot. That's a big part of the marathon right there, that last 4.2. But ultimately, I was like, okay, let me just go keep the pace honest for another mile and then maybe I'll settle back in and I'll let someone else do a little work. But um, unintentionally, keeping the pace honest ended up being a little bit more of a surge. And I heard like a 450 mile. Uh, pace get called out and I was like "Uh, oh, okay and then uh, you know I started looking around it, it strung out I'm like all right and then I ran another mile I think it was 449 450 again and at that point I was like well you know I made my bed so now it's time to just lay in it and uh, hope I can get to the finish line.
2: So had you guys talked to each other you, you know sort of you guys that are committed to going out in that 209 group you know obviously a little bit different from maybe like a championship race or, or an international race where there's like a little bit of caginess. Like, was there like the group t- chat of everybody being like, Hey, we're, we're ready to run fast. Like what's, what's the plan boys?
1: No, you know what? That was something like we were almost talking about before the race that we wished that there was, that there like was a little more communication between the athletes themselves about who was going with, with, with which pace group um, and where people were, were going to be because, we, did, we really didn't have that. But I think kind of what you're saying, though, is, like, there wasn't going to be that caginess. Everyone – we were all there for the same purpose. Everyone had the same goal. Everyone wanted to run under 210 and win the race. So, you know, the guys who were going to be in that front pack were just going to declare themselves, obviously, right from the beginning, and it didn't really matter who was there, just that we had that, that critical mass of uh, guys going for it.
2: Did you talk to Colin? Did you guys have, like, a team strategy?
1: Yeah. Oh yeah. We, I mean, I definitely talked with Colin. Um, (laughs) Um, yeah, we were, you know, what's kind of funny is we were actually kind of not bummed, but a little like, like, man, 209 flat. That is, you know, it's ambitious. Of course it's ambitious. Right. Um, from a bunch of people who, you know, haven't broken 211 um but we were like man we really wish this was like a two oh you know pace for 65 flat through through half. like that would be perfect but um so we were a little hesitant about you know that pace at first but we just ultimately decided let's just get right on the back of the pack if it feels crazy maybe we'll let them gap us a bit um and kind of go from from there so that was kind of our thought but at the same time we knew like this is this is the point in this race is to run fast. So. I mean, if it's going, it's going. And ultimately, of course, we've gotten the race that takes over and we weren't leaving that pack.
0: (laughs) In the conversation I had with Fobble last week, he sort of said that he felt that the trials, the course and everything was three minutes slower than what people probably could run on like a fast course with like perfect conditions. Like we didn't have to worry about the weather. How did you sort of feel coming off the trials about your performance that, it gave you sort of the confidence to go after and, and, and with the 209 to 10 pace group, uh, at this race.
1: Yeah, I think, I mean, that was, that was really the big question after, after the kind of everything settled after the trials, right? Like, wow, that was a really hard hilly course and guys ran guys and girls ran really fast. Like how, like what's the conversion? How fast can they go on a, on a flat course? Um, and that was absolutely something that like we has been a burning question in the back of our heads. But we definitely I mean, we agreed. I mean, three minutes, three minutes sounds like a lot. I don't know if it was the full three minutes, but we definitely knew it was worth some some good time Um, to put an actual hard number on it. I don't know how meaningful that is, but um. I think everyone, ourselves included me, Colin, and I mean, everyone in, in the race yesterday, we all wanted to know, like, yeah, how, how much faster can we run? Um, and we know it's going to be significantly faster. So, yeah, I think the trials absolutely gave everyone a lot of confidence that if we could go run 211, 212 in Atlanta, we can go out sub 210 pace and give it a good shot.
0: Fable was obviously disappointed post trials because you know he had come in as one of the top contenders you know had run 209 and was you know a lot of people's pick to make the team you kind of had a breakup performance where you finished sixth into 1129 so post trials what was what were your feelings regarding that performance like was, was there any little bit of disappointment or was it just pure happiness looking forward to like the next race
1: no, man. Disappointment, obviously. Mm-hmm. That's kind of been like my MO for my whole career is, um, you know, and I always come off as happy. I mean, I'm a very appreciative person that I've even had all the opportunities I've had, but I always fall a little short, just short enough where I should still be happy with my performance. Oh, I was sixth in the trials or er, seventh in 2016 and now sixth again. Like that's so great. Almost made the team but no one wants to be sixth or seventh place. So, um, yeah. And that's kind of been, that's kind of where I've been stuck for many, many years. Um, which is why finally, yeah. So coming off of the trials, I wanted to make the team and yes, the silver lining was ran a big PR, ran the Olympic standard. Not that it meant anything since the team just got picked. Um, but it definitely left more to be desired and knowing that, you know, there was more in the tank to, you know, see what we can do at a course like the marathon project
2: that uh that reminds me of my favorite sports night quote from from the 90s Uh, if you're good enough to come in second place you're good enough to be disappointed by it (laughs) you know it's like although did you feel a little bit going into this race like you know there's there's the chip on the shoulder to prove that the sixth place isn't a fluke and that you really are you know kind of one of the best marathoners in the country
1: yeah I mean and that's kind of what I'm saying is why there's a chip on my shoulders. I feel like I've been trying to prove I'm one of the best in the country for a very long time yet i'm I'm consistently one of the best in the country um It's just I haven't had that breakout performance or you know won that that championship that really mattered, so that's why I do feel like this you know this this race was finally like a validation of almost like a validation of my whole running career um that you know I, I'm, I'm finally kind of among you know in the place where i feel like i belong
0: yeah because it, it's so funny i was on like an alternate broadcast sort of where we were just doing you know side commentary on the race and in it i think someone had asked it was like what was the last big thing that marty has won before this and it was something that took a while for us to kind of think about because even going back to that interview from 2012 I feel like that we did when I ask you who you are you go on to list team accomplishments and then when we think about your career at Syracuse I also think about like the team title of of sorts. so you were always like a very good team player but finally got this big moment yesterday
1: yeah but finally got it. I mean I I've won some things. I've won yeah, some yeah. I was gonna say wasn't yeah. wasn't
2: the last road race you ran one like that? It was like some small road race in New Jersey or something like
1: that. No, I mean I've won my last couple wins were the uh Pittsburgh Ten Miler. I've I won that back to back the last few years. Um but yeah, I mean I've had wins that maybe aren't these big grandiose wins. I've run well at national championships, just not getting those wins. But yes, I this was finally my first big individual big accomplishment so
2: i'm loving this vibe this is like a little bit of a
0: like a pissed off marty vibe You're like i know fired
1: up. I love <laughs> <it>. <laughs> i'm not pissed i'm not pissed. i'm extremely <laughs> happy
0: <laughs> so post trials one of my favorite stories that came out of it was you told let's run.com the story of, of your bathroom break and i'm sure like not not everyone has read it um so can you share that story for us and like put us sort of like in your shoes the bathroom break story from the trials
1: Yeah, the bathroom break story from the trial. So I, you know, running the marathon, if it's going to happen, it's a rare occurrence that it happens in the elites, you know, we're not, we're supposed to train to not let that happen, right? But if it's going to happen, it's going to happen in a marathon when you're cramming in fluids and gels and carbs and just making your stomach very unhappy. Um, And, you know, it's something that i and obviously like trained accordingly and didn't plan on it, but things just the fluids weren't sitting well early in the race. And I just felt like I had to go to the bathroom. Um, and I finally, I felt like that most of the race. And when I got my bottle and gel, I swiped it off the table at mile 18. I looked at it and I'd been struggling the whole race. I looked at it and I was, I just knew like, I, if I put this in my body, I was going to, there, there was going to be a catastrophic meltdown. Um, and I, but also at the same exact time i looked and on the side of the road there was a porta potty just right there so i very angrily because i was mad that i had to do this like spiked my bottle down sprinted to the porta potty took care of business extremely quickly i say 15 but at least under 20 seconds and then shot out and then just played catch up for the for the you know the next what 8.2 miles um and i mean i needed to do it and it actually i mean i still ran well and um but, uh, yeah, so that, that was the story with that, you know, the the, the GI upset one.
2: But, were uh, you thinking about that yesterday at all when you were, like, making the bid for the finish? Were you like, oh, God, what if I have to shit again?
1: Well, not at the finish. I was thinking about it, like, during the race. Sure, like, every bottle. I mean, I'm like, all right, let me suck this down and keep on running. All right, how's the stomach settle out? feels good. Great. And then, then I know I just got to make it to the next bottle. And then I had that kind of like replayed that each, each, uh, bottle station er, er, every four miles and change. Um, but yeah, no, once I got to, once I got to like mile really past like half marathon, I just kind of knew like, all right, like things are good. Everything just, gonna be okay. is settled and nice. Yeah. And then getting, and then by the time I got to the end, I didn't even really touch my last bottle. It was just, there, there it was more just about physically being able to not fall down and get to the finish line.
2: <laughs> were you that guy in college? I know everyone has that college teammate who's the, like, toilet paper on the long run kind of guy. Like, were you I mean, that guy in college, or is this a new I, phenomenon?
1: I mean, I wasn't that guy. We, we definitely had another guy who was that guy. Who was, like – Call him out.
0: My Put him on out. Yeah, drop the name.
1: Kevin Hoyos. <laughs> 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 Kevin Hoyos was – could do any no matter when the run was no matter how long how short that man was stopping to use the bathroom on a run um but no i did i firmly believe in the powers of if you pack the tp it's much less likely that you will have to use the bathroom on the that's
2: run. very true
0: yeah was it the same shorts or different shorts for for this one because i know you told let and you didn't wipe
1: oh yeah i didn't yeah no i'm not gonna waste that that sort of time Um, I mean, I have a couple pairs of shorts, so like it's, it very well could have been the same pair. I didn't throw out my shorts. I just washed them. Um, so I don't know if it was the same pair.
2: (laughs) This, this is a run your mouth question, but, uh, short shorts versus half tights for the marathon. What's your stance?
1: I'm, I'm, I'm a short shorts guy. Just, I think half tights, I think you run into more problems with chafing with the, uh, half tights. So just personal preference.
0: Each his own. <laughs> how'd you How'd you celebrate yesterday's win?
1: I uh, didn't really do hardly any celebrating because, like I said, like I was telling you earlier, um I actually I had to sp- like sprint from drug testing after the race to the hotel to furiously shower and pack my clothes, and then speed off to the airport to catch my flight, which I barely made, and then it got delayed an hour, so you know jokes (laughs) on me right um and then you know i I made it back to philadelphia i didn't really get home until around 9 30 last night um and my wife was was getting in today with with the kids so i was kind of just on my own last night and i got in late so i just threw some 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 frozen pizza in the toaster oven um popped down sat down and just kind of sat on the couch and then uh went sleep but tonight tonight we're, we're eating now my wife made me a birthday cake you know you know um, so yeah tonight's gonna be the night <laughs>
2: what's the cake
1: Chocolate cake chocolate icing chocolate chips on top I mean she knows my, she she knows me
2: always joking. yeah I know we, we talked about this on on run your mouth but uh, you're you're not much of a drinker so so no celebratory beer
1: um you know what I would that's I did lead that out. I did make myself just a a little cocktail last night, just more of like a nightcap thing, just for no real reason. Well, I had a reason. Sure was But um, Oh, I don't, so I don't, like I said, I don't really love drinking, but it was, uh, so I always have to make fruity sweet stuff. Uh, It was a little... little, No
2: shame in the game there. (laughs)
1: Yeah, a a little coconut rum, a little splash of, I think, strawberry vodka, and then uh, some strawberry lemonade to you know smooth it out oh it was good very tropical that sounds good oh man i was like in i mean i was coming from phoenix it was like the sun was shining it was hot palm trees
0: how different was that from like guess, like the past couple weeks of training obviously being on the on the east coast it was getting a little bit colder but yeah i mean the training leading up to this sort of what what was it like i guess the big thing everyone's wondering is because they know a little bit more of your background is how how the heck do you fit it into a day
1: I mean, yeah, I, I get this question a lot. Right. And my answer is usually the same. Like it's, there is a lot going on there. I mean, training. Yeah. I mean the weather, it's actually been pretty nice. So like, as far as like it being cold and it really, it only snowed for the first time the day before I flew out, which of course was like anxiety producing in its own right, but it, it worked out as far as flights. Um, So that hasn't been an issue. It's really just getting up early. I mean I spend a lot of my days getting up somewhere between 5 5:30 if I can if I can sleep until 6 wonderful um and getting that that run in um you know before the girls wake up and before I have to get to whatever either the hospital or like an outpatient clinic or wherever I got to be for 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 that you know um couple of weeks so it's really just getting up early getting that getting in the the training while everyone else is sleeping
2: how <laughs> is uh one daughter versus two in terms of, uh, your, your sleep levels and, uh, stress levels.
1: Um, yeah. I mean, look, that's something, I mean, that's, I would say if there's a secret to success, it's still maintaining the sleep. Like, I mean, I, I think I would crater and crumble if I didn't still get close to eight hours of sleep every night. And, um, luckily like me and Monica, like we, we love to sleep. So as soon as those girls are asleep, we have no problem crawling into bed at nine o'clock. Um, But I would say, fortunately, Adeline is a much better sleeper, I mean, much better sleeper than McKenna was, (laughs) which helps. And um, I mean, I've said it a thousand times, like, you know, I couldn't do what I do if Monica didn't do what she did. I mean, she is like, you know, she's the rock here. So, I mean, she, she, she breastfeeds Adeline and like, I can't do anything with Adeline during the night. So when Adeline wakes up, I mean, I don't, (laughs) let's put it that way. Um, And McKenna sleeps fairly well. Um, I mean, I might have to go put her to sleep a few times a week if she wakes up, but yeah, fortunately the sleep is still pretty good, pretty good.
0: (laughs) I want to mix in a couple of uh, listener questions that were submitted sort of like that go into your routine. So Colin Hunter asks, I want to hear about your worst week of training when it came to, toddlers and like babies wouldn't sleep then you've got school and work on top of it so what was that did you have a really rough one
1: i mean i would describe so yeah like running is so like the whole running schedule is so ingrained in my daily life and routine and like our whole family like i mean it's just like it It. i never like this whole training build like i didn't miss anything i don't miss days of training um, if anything, I just have to awkwardly squeeze it in sometimes, you know, at weird times. But I would say like I mean, just the hardest month was my first month. So say like I started really training three months out. That first month I was actually working in a clinic from eight AM. I was seeing my first patient at eight AM um until four or five every day. So that was like the true, you know, eight or nine hours a day, um, five days a week. And that so that was tough. So getting up every morning at five and like you know, I think that's, you know, the workouts, the quality definitely decreases a touch when you're trying to like go and run five minute pace or faster at like starting the workout, let's say at like 545, 6am. Um, so I think those are, that month was a bit of a grind because like, you know, doing that every day definitely uh, wears down on you. But I mean and then yes, there's nights in there where the girl where the babies like slept terribly and then I didn't sleep well. Um our neighbors like we have a row home and like our neighbors are prone to playing really loud music with a bumping bass. They got a really nice <laughs> bass. <You laughs> Good sound nice. setup
2: for them, bad one for you.
1: <laughs> yeah, the old the old city life, you know, you gotta you basically live with your neighbors. Um so yeah, there's definitely nights where things don't go as smoothly, but I mean, for the most part, we, we get by pre- pretty fine. So there hasn't been any like catastrophic weeks.
0: Mm-hmm. Matt Meyer wants you to rank what's more exhaust uh, What's, what's more exhausting marathon training, medical school, or two children?
1: Oh, that's tough. That's tough because I have them all at the same time. Right. So it's hard to know where <laughs> the true exhaustion is coming from, but, I'm going to say the two kids if I if there was like one thing I had to do every day and pick one the two kids would would be the hardest which is why like again I have to give Monica like so much like love and appreciation because like she's with them all day long and like if she goes out for like a couple hours and, and I have the girls I'm like dead after like two after that two hours and I like don't even understand how it's possible to do like full days every day like when I'm at work like it's so yeah kids are exhausting especially like toddlers like McKenna when they run around I call it I like she's what I call my she's my emotionally unstable energizer bunny because like two and a half (laughs) years old they just have no rationalization skills everything's a problem if it's not their way and then they just never run out of like killing you
0: (laughs) And, and as a result of all this how much coffee do you end up drinking in a day
1: Uh, You know, I'm pretty good about maintaining a stable caffeine intake. I'm really adamant about just like one slash two cups, like pretty much first thing in the morning and then not drinking any throughout the rest of the day. Cause then it messes with my sleep. And I told you sleep is like (laughs) sleep is, is God in this house. So
2: you're a better man than me in many ways, (laughs) but that's definitely one of them. People always talk about like drinking more during the pandemic. Like for me, it's like coffee there's no rules anymore like something about working from home it's like you can always put another cup pot on you know (laughs) i was gonna ask uh is mckenna old enough to understand like the concept of like professional running like does she get what you're doing when you when you're going off to the marathon project
1: no no she loves running she loves like when we go to the park she's always like daddy let's run and like she loves to like just like run run alongside me and we like run together like if I run on the treadmill here in the house like she has like a little trampoline in the basement and if I go and do like a 40 minute double on the treadmill she bounces on the trampoline the whole time and like loves it and just like loves so she loves the concept of running but no she doesn't understand like the the way I do it and like what it means
2: Oh, man, that's adorable. is she is she a future runner one day? Do you think is she gonna follow in her dad's footsteps?
1: I mean, I'm not gonna force it. I'm not gonna there's plenty of other cool sports out there. um, but she seems to like it so far, so we'll see. I think so. I think so.
0: I was going to go for like the perfect transition here and I was going to say like, Oh, maybe down the road, she's training for, for, uh, under Chris Fox. So, and then I'm going to get into sort of, uh, you and his relationship. I mean, this is something that goes way back all the way, I guess, to college. Um, how different has that been sort of his training philosophy, handling you as a college runner and then as a marathoner. So for the people who are unfamiliar with what exactly, his philosophy is or, or why it meshes well with you, I guess, like, what, what can you share about it?
1: Yeah. The coach Fox philosophy, the coach Fox way of life is like so great. I mean, it's something that, I mean, if you went to Syracuse, you just, you just understand it and almost everyone loves and, and appreciates how he goes about training his athletes um, because he's just so low stress, so chill. And like, there's a few kind of pillars and like, his underlying beliefs and a lot of them is like, you know, a few of them just to kind of give you a quick rundown. It's like, we, we, he really believes like in strategically under training you, like he's like, I would much rather have you 95% fit than 101% like, and like kind of cooked on race day. Um And I mean, that's why you see like our training, what we do, you can see it on like Strava and like, there's no secrets. There's no like magic workouts. We don't do anything like outrageous. Um, if anything, it's, it's underwhelming. Um, you know, our, our, our longest hard effort is 10 miles. That's what we are a hard 10, 10, 10 miler is what we did before this race. Um, and that's it. I mean, and we show up to the line, we feel good. We feel refreshed. Um, and we're just excited. Um, so that's, that's a big part of it. He's, I don't know. I mean, that's, that really, I feel like is such a big thing that's different from a lot of other programs, um, where you see people just putting these outrageous workouts and like, which is awesome. And I, you know, everyone has their own road to Rome. Right. Um, but I think that's probably the biggest difference. And the fact that he, he trusts everyone so much, um, like there doesn't need like I don't like you know I live in Philadelphia there the team the the Reebok Boston Track Club is down down in Charlottesville, um, but and like I I I, I talk to him the night before a workout when I know like I, I just know the days when I'm supposed to be working out because I you know our schedule has been the same forever um so I'll 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 text him he'll kind of shoot me a message what what we're doing. And I'll say, okay. And then I text him in the morning, tell him how it went. And he says, great. And then like, I fill in everything else. Like, you know what I mean? I can, he knows, I know when to double, he knows, he knows like on my easy days, like how that I'll, I'll do what I need to do. Um, And and it's, 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 it's a very kind of laissez faire hands off um, type, type of system. But on the flip side, I mean, if, you know, we have obviously, athletes in our group, like track-based athletes who need a little more specific, obviously, you know, guidance and such. And he, he can provide that as well. So it's, it's, it truly is like individualized in that sense where he knows like who, who knows, He, he doesn't need to be like a micromanager. He doesn't need to be like over your shoulder at every moment. And I think that just means a lot and results in some happy runners and some very good good training it's
2: almost like he just wants you to take care of business
1: <laughs> <laughs> i mean if you take care of business like under that system then he knows you're going to be able to do it on race day you know
2: yeah i'm surprised you got through the you got through that whole explanation without using tcb but that's I was waiting for exactly it what it sounds I, like
1: i try not to over abuse our <laughs> our loving syracuse philosophy of tcb take care of business it's just ingrained in our dna
2: <laughs> I was uh, speaking of Syracuse. I was actually thinking about this after the the race yesterday, you know, obviously there was a lot of, a lot of Portland guys and a lot of Q's guys up there at the the front of that race. And, mm-hmm. you know, I think, I think about there being a lot of similarities in terms of kind of being these, you know, these scrappy cross country schools that go up against, you know, the, the big PAC 12 type, um, you know, behemoths. So like, do you still feel you know, a little bit of do you still feel a little bit of that like kind of school pride going into races like this of like, oh we're this we're this these underdogs that are I remember you know,
0: Chipgate, remember from Wisconsin? Oh, that yeah, was a big yeah,
1: we still talk about that. <laughs> yes. We we absolutely still kind of have that chip on our shoulder. And like kind of, you know, there's obviously a a, a nice substantial amount of Syracuse post Syracuse athletes in, in, in our Reebok group. So the stories and, and legends and the chip malfunction story stays alive and well over the years. Um, and I think that definitely, that attitude definitely, uh, keeps on pervading in, in our, our, our daily business.
0: <laughs> what was just a night's reaction in the group chat after the race to see you and Colin perform so well?
1: He was just so pumped. He just said, Holy crap. Maybe maybe I'm censoring a little bit, but that was awesome, (laughs) guys. You guys are so great. And then, obviously, then we had to acknowledge how. I mean, because Justin and Ben Flanagan, who did um a um great pacing in the two eleven group. I mean, they did a lot of our workouts. Maybe not, you know, usually like seventy to eighty percent of them volume wise. But I mean, they were there for every every step of the way, and like so. Of course, Justin, being being Justin, would uh, kind of make his mark at the end of most workouts. So again, we just rate in return thanked him for dragging us through uh, some uh, tough days.
2: Those guys uh, were on Run Your Mouth the day after trials. And we spent, I think, like 15 minutes talking about like you and Colin, just like (laughs) they only had good things to say about you. But uh, they're your your biggest fans, both in college and beyond.
1: We're all our own biggest fans, which is why it's pretty cool.
0: You know, you said that, all your workouts and stuff are up on Strava and there's really like no flashiness to them. I guess like is the sexiest workout ahead of this, just that 10 miler? Like what were the details on that one? Because like, I feel like that's the thing everyone fishes for right after someone has like a big major breakthrough. It's like, all right, Fobble, What was your big thing right before Boston? So like, what was, what was, was that it?
1: Yeah. I mean, it's, we honestly our training for this race was very similar to what we did before the, the trials. Um, I think we did mostly the same workouts. Um, we just ended up doing them a little better just because of we just had a just trained for a marathon a few months earlier. So I think we just had that extra base and foundation. But um yeah, the flashiest thing we do we did for for both our past marathons is just a ten mile pickup at a little faster than marathon pace. Um, right around like four fifty pace, I think we were. Um and that's you know, that's a big confidence booster for us. We always We never do. I mean, we didn't do, you know, this course is pancake flat, right? So we never really did anything on a pancake flat course, just because we still believe like running Hills is you're going to get better. Like whether, um, I mean, we definitely flattened things out and we didn't go out of our way to like make workouts super slow because of the Hills. But, um, you know, we definitely believe we gain a lot from that. And then when you show up on race day, I felt like it was amazing how we kept going down, you know, we did these loops and there wasn't anything to like impede our pace. Like it was just so smooth, um, which we didn't get in practice, which is what made it feel so much better on a race day. Um, But yeah, that 10 miler. And then, I mean, we, and then, yeah, we do the same thing everyone else does. We do some hard long runs. I mean, we make the long run a quality day um, and we'll usually just, most long runs will will do some sort of tempo as part of the long run um, and our hardest long run is was i think twenty two miles where we did a ten mile pickup in in that long run so that's was
2: um i I hate to go to be constantly reaching back to the college archives, but you know since you've been with Fox for so long, was that ever a conversation in college of like, you're gonna be a marathon or someday kid? Like, was that something that was always in the back of your head or, or has this been kind of a, a fun new surprise?
1: No, it's, it, it's been more of a natural progression without really ever planning on being here. Um, I think in, yeah, in college, especially, like, no, there was no talk of running marathons. Um, it was very much like, we're gonna, we're, we're training to win that cross country 10K, right? Um, <laughs> But then I graduated and instantly though, it was like, without even knowing, like, or without even having to talk about it, like signing up for like the US 15K championships and the US 10 mile championships. Like that was just the, you know, the like a natural progression for me. Cause um, it just, I knew I did better at the longer distances. Um, and then, yeah, I don't know. We just kind of kept getting longer and longer, ran a half marathon. And then, and then when I got, you know, I did my year in Arizona. A, you know, off of the Fox system, and then when I came back to Philly for school, um, I got back with Fox. So that was three years ago now. And in that conversation of you know getting you know back with the Reebok team and getting back under the Coach Fox system, then it kind of became, all right, I think you can be good at the marathon. Um, let's make the Olympic marathon trials like the goal for three years from now. Um, so you know, at that point, so I guess in 2017, that kind of became the goal. But up until that point i I didn't have much interest, but uh I definitely am interested now.
0: <laughs> did you ever like i guess come close to like just abandoning pro running totally because of of school?
1: It's a good question um yeah, I've been very i'm not really, I'm gonna say no, like I haven't like straight up wanted to quit running or had to at any point like there's always been enough time in my day and um you know i've been able to make make time to get that to make training possible um pretty much at every step along the way thus far um yeah so no like i i've, I've been able to run and i i love to do it i have no need to do it i you know i'm still following my my dream of becoming a doctor and i you know i just run because i i want to and because i love it so um thus far no I haven't had any any need or desire to uh to stop
2: uh do you uh in your (laughs) medical expertise I guess one of the things we were noticing on the the broadcast is you know the the fairly normal marathon practice of sharing bottles in the race um you know that that was going going down and obviously everyone had been tested and everything but I guess two part, did you share anybody else's bottle during the race? And, and do you feel like that was, I mean, that's got to feel so weird, especially, you know, in the pandemic um, of just like being t- totally against every other bit of, you know, medical advice out there.
1: Right. Um, yeah. I mean, I didn't have, at no point was I ever planning on taking, on sharing anyone's bottle. Like everyone had their own bottles. So I don't even see why that would be needed. Um, but yeah, I guess, you know, some packs, I know that's like a big thing in running and, you know, if guys missed a bottle or something, I'm more than happy to share it with, with someone else. Um, I mean, yeah, that was, I had no intentions of doing that. <laughs> I mean, I guess just the, the caveat being like, I was really happy with how well the, you know, the COVID protocols were for this race. I mean, every athlete in the race had to submit two negative tests the week of the race. Um, as well as I think pretty much anyone involved in the race had to have at least one negative test. So, I mean, everyone was at least, at least up until they got their negative. So, you know, of course, you know, who knows what, what people do up until actual race day, but um, yeah. I don't know, I guess t- to each their own, right? Everyone accepts a certain amount of risk. So wherever r- you fall. Yeah, and
2: I, and I think, you know, it's about as uh, about as safe as you could be. But I did just seeing that on the screen, I had that moment where I was like, it's like when you watch a, a TV show on Netflix now where like somebody's hugging and you're like, why are they not six feet apart? <laughs> <laughs>
1: right, right. It's just a little cringeworthy still, like
2: Yeah, or so it's good, I guess, that we're conditioned to that, to COVID safe being normal and, and you know, swapping fluids being
1: not but (laughs) (laughs) not ideal anymore
0: so that part of like your day just you know working as a medical student in anesthesiology at sydney kimmel medical college at saint thomas jefferson university in philadelphia i had to write it all out uh (laughs) what 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 is that comprised of for the most part because we've gotten sort of like into sort of like the ins and out of your training but what are you what are you doing while you know for school and work
1: right so how school works i'm i'm a fourth year student now so i'm in my final year i graduate in may in may i'll officially earn my my m d um so fourth year isn't is a unique year in that it's very it's similar to third year and you're still doing rotations through different floors units types of medicine um every you know most of them are are four weeks but there are occasional two two um two week ones as well rotations um And that's kind of what you're, you're doing all all year long. You're constantly, that's why it's, it's tough when people ask me my schedule, I'm like, it really changes every, every month. Like I've got different time requirements, like what time I need to be somewhere and what time I get home. Um, but you know, that's kind of how it looks from zoomed out, but also as a fourth year student, um, starting at the end of October, you start interviews, um, to apply to residency programs so I'm applying to anesthesia programs um, so I'm not you know I'm not an anesthesia yet but uh, that's that's the plan and then yeah so essentially you apply to a ton of programs all the interviews were converted to you know zoom slash you know at home stuff which is again another reason that this I was even able to make this race happen um, and so yeah I've just been interviewing i I think I'll have probably 15 programs that I'll have interviewed at and you just kind of, yeah, you just slot that in with your rotations. They give you a little bit of vacation time. So I did have two weeks of, of vacation time um, in the last cu- cu- couple of months to like really pack a bunch of interviews in. Um, and yeah, and that's kind of how the year looks. So I, I still have a bunch of month long r- rotations up until um, April and then And then I graduate and then in March started to backtrack, make it a little more confusing in March is when all the fourth year students find out where they matched Hmm. um, and where they will uh, continue their training for their select specialty.
0: Have you had to sort of like tailor that list also to maybe where you want to end up in terms of for your running training or are you just open to going anywhere?
1: Right. Yeah, that's like, that's right. That's always right. We're always thinking like, where would I want to end up? That would be the best place to, you know, who's got the best trails? Who's got the best? Uh, yeah. So to be honest, I really didn't prioritize like running when I'm making, when I was like applying programs. You know, a lot of what goes into it is um, where you want to be. So just the geographical location and i want to be on the east coast and the northeast we want to be close to our families you know we're both from new york me and my wife um so that was that's kind of you know biggest factor and then there's the program itself like do i feel like i'd fit in there because essentially it's a job it's kind of like a job interview you know these are all the people that you're going to be working with for the next four years um you know do you fit in do you feel like that's the place for you um so and that's kind of the next biggest kind of part of the the decision making tree. Um so yeah, I'm you know, I I think if I can make do in the 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 cold hard streets of South Philadelphia, um I can I can make the running thing work work anywhere from that standpoint. Um residency will be very different as far as like, you know, time requirements and um and such. So I'm not really planning too far ahead in that respect, but but yeah, I, I'm, I'm i I want to go to the, the the place that works best for me and, and my and my family, and, you know, and then the running can you know slot itself in after that.
2: One more doctor question: Do you know when you're getting the vaccine yet?
1: Unfortunately, um, students fall pretty low on the totem pole of you know healthcare workers, um, which is fine, which is fine. I mean, they <laughs> for the most part were isolated from direct taking care of COVID patients in the sense of like going into the room and like doing physical exams and such i mean we're still can be active in their care um but yeah it's all minimized from that respect so no we don't I, they have not reached out to us they, you know the jefferson employees are being vaccinated as we speak but um the students still are unsure when uh, when our time will come
0: um yeah, I did see someone I think like on Twitter had asked like if you had gotten vaccinated like before the race and and like if this was a, just a, a side effect of like being able to run really fast comes with the vaccine
1: <laughs> I wish <laughs>
0: Um so you dedicated the race I think from your tweet you said um you wanted it to go out to the people who uh the all the working men and women especially healthcare folks um and in your pre-race press conference, uh, that we had a couple of days ago, you had mentioned when they asked you sort of about COVID and, and like the pandemic that, yeah, I mean, it's just as bad as the news is making it out to be. Um, so in a way, I guess not being directly in contact with, I guess, like patients battling COVID what's some of the craziest stuff that you've seen and like, how, how close have you gotten to it? Cause I know you mentioned being in the ICU for a bit.
1: Yeah. Yeah. No, I've, I, I have spent the last two weeks, you know, my, coincidentally have been rotating through the the icu um here in philly or at at one of our affiliate hospitals and just right now they're 50 to 80 percent um covid patients who kind of need that that high level of care um so yeah i mean how icu's work and how a lot of them are, are are um, built is that they're all like open glass, so you like everyone can kind of see into all the rooms because these patients change. You know, in the ICU, obviously you're unstable patients can change at like a second's notice. So everything's open and you can see everything. Whether you know, but obviously there's doors like like um, glass doors and such. So so if I'm you know if I'm in charge of of a COVID patient, I can and if they're there, they're normally intubated. I mean that that's usually why they're there. They're in acute respiratory failure. Um, so I mean a big part of my job is seeing you know how are they doing on these these um v- v- ventilator settings you know do we need to change things um and you know a big part of my job is also just learning how the medicine is practiced in that setting in, in the, the uh you know in in the ICU and in, in this case so so yeah I mean I'm there and I'm seeing it and I think it's what you see is exactly what you expect I mean it's if you if you need, if if you end up in the ICU, I mean, it's the prognosis already isn't good, um, and it's it's definitely an eye-opening experience to see the end result of where the sickest of the sick will will end up, and um, you know more often than not pass away.
0: Cool. Cause I didn't want to mischaracterize it. I guess when I fired off like a couple tweets about you yesterday during the race and it was like, Oh, there's Marty Hare, Now he's leading the race. And it's like, he spent the last two weeks in the ICU. I didn't say treating COVID patients. I was just like, I think witnessing, I just like how bad it's been. And I felt like, all right, that's, <laughs> that's accurate. Cause I think this, the tweet took off and people were calling you a hero and all that kind of stuff. And I was like, all right, this is great. I really hope I got that right. <laughs>
1: Right. No, no. And I totally, yeah, I don't want to like be misconstrued. Like it's the nurses, the residents and the attendings who are like in and out of these rooms all day long, like really making all the treatment decisions. And like they're like the true front line, you know, the the front line heroes. Like, you know, I just get to be there and get to learn from them. And, you know, I'm an ancillary member of the team. I mean, we are part of the team. But yes, I, I agree. I don't want to be misconstrued as you know taking anything away from the I'll call them the you know, the real healthcare heroes, which is you know, all the people that that I just mentioned.
2: So I guess that kind of leads me to almost like a philosophical question where it's like, you know, I, I a lot of the a lot of the narrative, you know, around you're you're running it, um marathon project but also you know in general is like oh he's a med student he has kids blah 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 like do you do you process the weirdness of your own life in the way that other people do and that like you know chris like jokingly said hero but like there is almost this like superhero narrative around building around you of like oh he can do it all like he's you he can do everything like is that is that something that you feel on a day-to-day basis or, or is it, is it just normal day in uh, Marty Heger's life?
1: I mean, I think it would be weird if I said that I wake up every day feeling like a superhero. <laughs> so I'm going to say on a day-to-day basis, no, I don't really like think about that. Um, I do definitely understand why people think like what I do is so cool and like crazy and like uncomprehendable. Um but for me, you know, it's what I do every day. So when you do it every day, it doesn't feel so abnormal. Um, and it's really just a big game of time management, right? I mean, it's not like I'm doing anything. Any one of the things I do isn't crazy. It's just that I, you know, can fit them all in on a day. But no, yeah. To answer your question, no, I don't wake up feeling like a like a superhero. <laughs>
2: yeah, this is the. I I feel like sometimes, you know. It, it doesn't take away at all from the impressiveness of what you do, but I do enjoy, because it's, it's all going to the right, you know, <laughs> to the right place in terms of intention. But uh, there, there's a lot of, you know, Twitter Twitter narrative about
0: uh, how impressive you are, because you are very impressive.
1: So. <laughs> I, I very much appreciate the thought, but yeah. <laughs>
0: So, after this kind of like what what's sort of next? I mean, just because like there's so much uncertainty, there's like no real races on the schedule coming up. Um, I'm kind of even wondering like if the next race you might have, like if you'd be introduced as Dr. Marty like on the starting line., <laughs> oh,
1: man. so may, right? Um, and that and that's like another thing too, to like go back real real quickly in May. I'll be a doctor, right? And then when I start a residency program in June and I'm back in the ICU, I'll I will be directly treating COVID patients. So that that's why it's a very weird interplay of like the fourth year medical student who's gonna be an intern in a few months. Um But yeah, what's as for what's next, I think we all hopefully feel relatively confident that the Olympic track trials are gonna happen, right? So um yes, fingers crossed. Uh so I'm I'm setting my, you know, my next kind of goals is um uh, getting in shape to get back in those 10k trials and finish a little better than i did four years ago and see if i can uh take take a shot there so so hopefully i mean i gotta get a qualifier so hopefully i'm running a race before may
2: <laughs> yeah That'd this is awesome. making me wish track were a lot more like pro wrestling where like i'm picturing like chris had introduced you as dr dr her like you show up to the starting line you've got like the white lab coat on you like take it off right before the race like i now i now i want this to be more of a oh yeah you totally should
0: show up to like your, your walkout in lab coat <laughs> is, like,
1: um, have him play like the Grey's anatomy like
2: <laughs> over the speed oh uh, yeah well i was gonna go with like uh like bad case of loving you by uh robert palmer like <laughs>
0: do you realize that like because i got a message from a friend of mine uh connor Callahan, who's a surgeon up in i believe toronto he's like he said well he's like i guess now i can never use my work schedule as an excuse to never to like skip training ever again do you realize you've made this tough for like a lot of people in the medical field
1: (laughs) i mean I, i i guess a little bit but again i'm a medical student right he's a surgeon a surgeon's schedule is absurd and I don't think I don't even think I could pull that off. I'll be perfectly honest. So yeah, once, once you start as like a resident and as an attending position, I think your responsibilities become a lot more important and um, you know, maybe there's a little, and there's definitely less time in the day to get things done. So, I mean, maybe I'm making it a little more difficult for, for medical student parents but, um, yeah, I mean, well, let's see how I do next year, and then maybe uh, people will be like, all right, he is human.
2: <laughs> I don't know. After you took a shit on the sidelines of the uh, marathon trials, I think people know you're human. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just teasing.
0: We got a couple more listener questions that were sent in. Someone asked, what's the most absurd thing you thought about to pass the time during yesterday's race?
1: Um, the most absurd thing I thought... I, I don't know. I don't really have absurd thoughts. I'm usually just kind of, I mean, like any other runner, just like battling self-doubts, trying to convince myself that I feel good, (laughs) Um, even though like I don't. Um, So I think it's, it's a lot of, yeah, I don't know. I I do kind of really like the brain really goes pretty dim when I, when I'm running um, and I'm glad. So it's just a lot of, uh, like looking at the clocks, looking at the mile splits and just, I, I, I do like to do a little bit of the math. Um, I think that's nice and distracting. Um, but absurd thoughts. Well, okay. Here's an absurd thought. I do very occasionally. I, again, it's amazing. Like the ebbs and flows of like, when you're like feeling good and feeling terrible, like in a race especially a marathon, but I think at one point I had the thoughts, my, and this was like way too early in the race, maybe at like 10, maybe around that like half marathon point when like everyone I said may, maybe started feeling pretty good. I was like, Oh man, like, like, I wonder what I'm, what I'm going to do if I win this thing. Like, 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 you know, I mean, again a fleeting thought that I didn't even complete the thought before going back into now there's way more, there's way too many miles left to run before I can win. <laughs>
0: Someone else asked, what does a 2 8 runner think about two oh one thirty nine 39? Because, I mean, you already had a fast PR, but I mean, like, processing and conceptualizing. Who the hell like the asked record.
1: that question. <laughs> That's the brutal question. That's as that demoralizing. You, you got
2: to screen these, Chavez.
1: <laughs> That's as that demoralizing of a question as you can ask me right now. Um, I think it's just, it it's truly just shows the incredible level of athletes there are out there, and that, you know, there's always there's always someone better than you and quite a bit better than you.
0: <laughs> Here's just one that popped into my head. Cause I had a friend of mine who was going to med school. I think it was in Des Moines somewhere. And he was saying, he was like trying to like start looking up all the records that I guess people have set while in med school or uh, you know, I guess like fastest doctors. I mean, Bannister, I think kind of like right. is, is up there. Uh, Chuck Aragon, I think also might have, the mile he's like a 351 uh time yeah it's crazy have you like ever had that curiosity or like thought of looking up sort of like what other people have run you might you probably did set a record of sorts probably
1: um right like i you know the the people i the the, the names i always hear are bob bob kempinen um tony sandoval i think is is a little older um and I feel like those are the two big like med school slash residency slash doctor grades who ran while also trained become doctors. Um obviously Dr. Kempinen, like is an Olympian and like um and I think but as far as PRs go, I don't know. I think I think I might have them all. Yeah, on you- I think you've got, well, yeah.
2: Fortunately, at least among Americans, there's not too many guys ahead of you on the list anymore, <laughs> so you can kind of just check.
1: Right. We're pretty sure they're not doctors. If we go down that 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 six-person list or seven-person, depending.
0: Doctor Galen Rupp, yeah.
1: Yeah, Doctor Rupp, <laughs> uh, So yeah, that's a pretty cool thought. I mean, quite possibly fastest doctor, almost almost doctor. Let's not get carried away in a uh, in America.
2: It's <laughs> pretty cool. Um, before we wrap up, I wanted to ask, uh, do you have any race superstitions? For some reason, I've been really interested in this lately. (sighs) No superstitions. Anything like that?
1: No, I'm very much like the opposite. Like, I, like, I make it a point to not have any weird things I have to do because I feel like that just means things can only go wrong when you have like things like that. Like, but I mean... I like, I usually take a hot shower mm-hmm. first thing in the morning, like uh, um, of a race, just like wake up. Um, I mean, I, I generally do the same things. Usually have some oatmeal as breakfast and drink some coffee a couple hours out, but no, I, I mean, no, no weird superstitious stuff. I think it can only be a crutch. It's only a weakness. In, in, <laughs> in <my head.
0: laughs> oh, so before we move to final questions, how does yesterday's high, compared to winning the cross country title is it better or like will nothing ever top that day
1: oh man i think yeah nothing's ever going to top that day i mean if you were to break it down between like team accomplishments and individual accomplishments like those are obviously the two mm-hmm. tops in their respective categories but yeah winning i mean that team title just meant so astronomically much to you know our whole group of guys that uh, yeah, that's that was as special as as it can be, I think.
2: The, the energy right. of having everyone be equally sort of like emotional, right. I think definitely.
0: Although when you make the
2: Olympics, you know, we'll revisit the questions.
1: And we have <laughs> to talk again, exactly.
0: All right, I'll hit you with my final questions that I ask every guest, and then I think David also has his. Um, so mine is, first one is, what's the meanest thing you've read about yourself on letsrun.com?
1: Oh gosh. Oh I, yeah. So I, I will admit, I definitely peruse. local metro. I'm not like an everyday getting into the nitty gritty, but I do check it every once in a while. Um, I feel like mo- more recently there's definitely people who are like, Oh man, this guy is like running in trampoline shoes and has great job security and doesn't even take care of patients for real yet. Like, he sucks. I don't know. <laughs> something along those lines. So, you know, whatever, everyone gets their opinion.
0: <laughs> What's the funniest drug testing story you've got?
1: Um, Oh, I would say like one of my first drug tests that I ever had, it was like a pure coincidence. I didn't know about, you know, runners like beats. Right. And like, that's like a thing. Um, but like this was a pure coincidence that they served beets at the pre-race dinner. And I like never eat beets, but I just chose to eat them or to eat them. Sorry. Um, and then I did well in the race, and I had to get drug tested, and I didn't know anything about beets. And then when I peed, it was it was like you know blood red, and I oh, this this. I was shook. It was the uh, cherry blossom in twenty. I guess it would have been um twenty sixteen. So one of my first like pro races, um, and yeah, and I like didn't know I, I was. I was shook. I was like, oh man, I think I'm dying. Um, and then, you know, the per- obviously, you know, the drug testers usually, they, they know. So they're like, did you have beats? I was like, uh, yeah, but why? Like, what, is that what this is? Was, so, yeah, that was, I was a very un- 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 uneducated person at that time.
0: It's <laughs> a good one. If you could go on a run anywhere in the world with anyone from history, assuming they can hold a nice little conversational pace with you, Um, who would it be with and where would the run take place? They don't have to be a runner.
1: Oh gosh. Um, this is a tough one. I would love to run. This is obviously something I've never really thought about before. And I clearly don't have anyone that really jumps to my head. Um, I'm going to have to just honestly be boring and just say, I don't have a good answer to this question. I'm going to have to skip it.
0: Oh I, come on, you got like you you're not gonna nerd out with like banister on a run or something like that somewhere, <laughs> I, yeah, yeah, that's great, i but I'm just saying I don't have any real like burning
1: passion, I don't think, yeah, I mean, banister would be cool. what was know. your
0: favorite spot in Flagstaff when you were out there?
1: ooh, um I would say aspen corner um is absolutely like stunning in the fall when when all the aspens turn turn like bright yellow, so that. That would be the spot. Thank you for helping me out there. That would be the place to go for a beautiful run. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'm I'm sorry. I'm I feel like I'm me. That's who it should be. because <laughs> <I'm
2: laughs> we're both in Philly right now and yeah. we can't run together because of COVID. So yeah. and because you just ran a marathon, but <laughs> most, of, I'm not most of that too.
0: Wait, so when are you expected back at work and and school? Well, fortunately, again, timing worked out great. I had uh, two week holiday
1: vacation, so I fortunately don't have to move for the next two weeks.
0: Perfect. All right. Final question for me is has nothing to do with running. It's uh, if you get 25 shots from half court on like a full size basketball court, mm-hmm. uh, and you make one of the half court shots, you win 25 million dollars. If you don't make any of them, you go to jail for 25 years. Would you attempt the shots?
1: Nope. We wouldn't do it all things the same i'm good i
2: you know seems like you have a pretty good life i hear anesthesiology is a pretty lucrative profession once you actually finish <laughs> med school so <laughs> i'll
1: be all right
0: all right david take it away
2: yeah well marty's been on the pod before so he's answered them all i don't remember his answers maybe i'll just ask uh do you do you have a new karaoke song since the last time we we chatted it's it's gonna be a while before we can all do karaoke again but yeah but what do you do what are you singing
1: i've done karaoke like once in my entire life so i don't even know what answer i would have given you the first time around (laughs) um like free falling that would probably be a good one that's a good one that would be a go-to
0: sweet all right marty well we appreciate you taking the time to do this it was good to catch up um i'll never ask you who are you ever again uh and (laughs) yeah i appreciate uh congrats again on the on the big win
1: thank you guys so much pretty cool thanks for coming on
0: yeah many thanks to marty for the awesome conversation 24 hours after his race and thanks to David as well for co-hosting an awesome episode check out his podcast Run Your Mouth it's also in the Sidious Mag podcast network so if you go to SidiousMag.com and check out the podcast tab his show shows up there as well I've got a new edition of the Sidious Mag newsletter dropping on Wednesday get it every week in your news box it's news, commentary on all the latest in the sport from yours truly it's super easy to subscribe and takes 5 seconds to do so by visiting SidiousMag.substack.com. It's also on the side of the SidiousMag.com homepage. And check it out because there's always giveaways there. So we've given away a bunch of sweaters. Who knows what else is coming up? Plus, we're going to be coming out with some new merch in 2021. That's all I've got. I've been your host, Chris Chavez, wishing you some happy and healthy running. Legs are feeling good. See you again soon.